This is LSU Experimental, where we explore exciting research occurring at Louisiana State University and learn about the individuals posing the questions. I'm Becky Carmichael. Since fall of 2019, COVID has upended the world. As of this recording, September 2021, the Center of Disease Control estimates over 40 million people have been sick and over 650,000 people have died in the United States alone. Hospitals are struggling to keep up and medical staff are stretched mentally and emotionally beyond their limits. We see that vaccines and mask wearing are effective in controlling the spread, but people are still getting sick. We can't fully eradicate COVID but what if we could more effectively treat the symptoms of those infected and shorten the duration of their illness? LSU alumna, Donisha Harrison, the founder, president, and CEO of Enade Therapeutics is working to answer that question. In this episode, Darnisha shares the inception of her company and the driving divine mission to tackle diseases and identify treatments suitable for all of society. Awesome. Well, Becky, thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. It is a extreme pleasure to be here. I am so glad that you joined us. I've been looking forward to chatting with you a little bit about um, your research and uh, as particularly your path in therapeutics. And so for our audience, uh, we're sitting with uh, Darnisha Harris, and she is the CEO of Unnade and also an LSU alumni. So to get us started, Darnisha, would you share with us a little bit about uh, who you are and give us a little bit of a, a snippet about your background? Yes. So as, as you mentioned, I'm Darnisha Harrison, and I am an alumnus of LSU, a very proud alumnus. I um, happen to have majored in microbiology within the um, College of Life Sciences, as it was known in those days. I've been um, a graduate for many, many years, um, more than a couple of decades, believe it or not. Um, and when I, I'm a, a native of Baton Rouge, I attended Baton Rouge High School. Um, and I had a wonderful experience of working at the LSU vet school. And I worked in the department of epidemiology and community health. And we were doing just some amazing research there in Dr. Jim Miller's lab. Um, he has since retired. Um, and I was invited, that was the summer going into my senior year at Baton Rouge High. And then they invited me back um, and said, listen, you'll be a freshman if you want to have a few hours per week working, we'd love to have you. And so I actually worked there probably about three years. Um, including my one summer at, at least um, before entering my senior year at Baton Rouge High. So maybe a, a total of two years or so, two and a half. And it was just an amazing experience. And it was because of my work there and all of the wonderful relationships I made. Um, Dr. Miller was amazing to work for, his team was. 
that is when I decided to major in microbiology because typically microbiology lends itself to, um, in our case now at Innaid, global health, but certainly global health. You can't talk about the globe without talking about communities, right? So I have come absolutely full circle and it is just absolutely um thrilling sometimes i get goosebumps to think about you know how how could i have at the age of 17 worked um in community health in epidemiology and then i've come full circle doing something very 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 similar so that's just a little bit about me i've always had very strong strong support from my parents um and my sister um, aunts and uncles, and just always, always a team of amazing cheerleaders, if you will, um, rooting me on to accomplish my dreams. And when Inaid was founded, um, the name actually is Diane spelled backwards, just in case you haven't seen that, Becky, and you, you may know this. That. <laughs> that, that, when I read that, I was like, that was a real, that I was really touched. I'm like, what a sweet and wonderful way in which you can honor another person. And then for the company to be doing such work in order to address community health issues. I, yes, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. And it means divine heavenly. So my mom spells her name with two N's. So, um, innate as Diane spelled backwards, and it does mean divine heavenly. And we really believe that this is the work of the divine. So we are very, very science oriented as a company. Um, I always like to say, because this is so humbling, that we've had the same scientific team with us almost since the very beginning of the company being founded. And that is so humbling. I work with some of the best virologists, infectious diseases experts, and pharmaceutical scientists and toxicologists in the world. And um, I'm proud to have them as team members of an aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's, you've said, shared several different things. First and foremost, I want to highlight the pivotal role of research and particularly research, not just even as an undergraduate, but being able to start in high school. What an opportunity to be exposed and to test out interests. Um, and particularly in the vet school, because you know when we think vet school, sometimes we think cats and dogs, but there's just so much more work that's going on. And then the other thing that you just mentioned is really your team. And so for your company, approximately what is the size of, of a team that we're talking about? And is this something that's local just here in, uh, in the Georgia area? Or do you have a, a broader team that's positioned around the world? That's an excellent question. So um, we are a team of roughly about 30 people, okay? And then when you look at us broadly, because we are completely virtual as a company, and what I simply mean is that our research and development is done through collaborative partnerships, okay? Um, 
I am at liberty to mention some of those partnerships. Um, UCAM, um, University de Catalytica of Murcia in Murcia, Spain. They are discovery scientists, okay? Um, so they are collaborative partners and we see them as an extension of NAID's discovery scientific team, okay? That's one example of a collaborative partner. We've got manufacturing collaborative partners that I'm just not at liberty to mention the names right now, um, but this particular collaborative partner, it is an exclusive agreement where they are manufacturing for us um, our COVID therapeutic. And we'll talk about that, as you mentioned um, before we started recording on what are what are what is the difference right what are therapeutics and how do they play a part so we'll get to talk about that as well but this particular manufacturer um they're global in over 90 countries around the world and they will be manufacturing for us in india and outside of india even and we intend to launch our covid 19 therapeutic in India. So oh, wow. under the NAID India subsidiary, because we do have a subsidiary in India. So um, when you look at like our manufacturing partners, um, I mean, that would mean based on all of our collaborative partners, we're probably roughly about 250 to 300 strong, right? Um, and wow. then from a micro standpoint, we're roughly about 30 people. When you think of those who are a part of the team that oversee, for example, those manufacturing partners or um, those scientific discovery um personnel at UCAM in Spain, et cetera. And we do have other discovery scientific partnerships um, that are US-based and um, not at liberty to globally mention that right now either, um, but we do have some here within the US as well. So we are just well-rounded as a company and absolutely thrilled to be able to be in a position to discover potential and remarkably sound um, solutions to COVID-19. And is now a good time to talk about the difference between therapeutics and vaccines? That's actually what my next question was, because I, I, you know, we've been hearing so much about COVID vaccines, and of course, those have been rolling out and people have been vaccinated. But I did want to ask, you know, how do those vaccines differ from therapeutics? That's an excellent question. And so I like to have a lot of fun with this question. And so I'm going to ask you, just play along. It's just a simple, fun question. Um, Becky, if your house was on fire, would you want the fire department to come or a fire inspector to come? Oh, I'm in my yard freaking out for that fire department to show up. Okay, excellent. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> well, innate is much like the fire department when it comes to these viruses. And that's the role therapeutics play. We 
put the fire out if you get it. We put the virus out if you get it, right? Whereas a fire inspector is much like a vaccine, if you will, giving you all the tools, um, all of the instructions on how not to ever get a fire with hopes that you'll never, ever, ever get a fire. We all know though that just because you have the tools of not getting a fire and all of the instructions, you still might get a fire. Well, with vaccines, we know people who have taken, for example, the flu vaccine and have actually still caught the flu, right? And so that is why therapeutics play such an important role, just as important as vaccines, but a complementary role, right? Um, for those who may even in the world of COVID-19 have caught um, the virus, even though they've been vaccinated. And I know of some people um, that fall into that category as well. Well, a therapeutic is a wonderful complement to vaccines in global health, in all infectious diseases. Um, I'll give you one other example, and that's the measles, okay? We have had an effective, a very effective measles vaccine since 1964. Yet we, in modern day, um, this might've been about three, maybe four years ago, there was an outbreak of the measles in the United States. There was also an outbreak in Europe, um, just to name a couple that I am, um, intimately aware of these outbreaks. Well, guess what? If there was a measles therapeutic, that epidemic would not have cost us so much, not just in money, but time off of work and what the parents had to deal with. Um, the amusement park, I know one of them had to you know, shut down just for a short period, things like that, if we had therapeutics. So we at Innate know the importance of therapeutics and how they complement vaccines. And so would you say that when we, for our listeners and even for myself, when I'm thinking about a therapeutic, that's going to be something that is, it's not just relieving symptoms, is it? It's, it's actually, is it something, is it doing something more in your system? So that's a very good question. And here's how I'll answer that. Um, you can be cured of the common cold, but that doesn't mean you won't get a cold again, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll use the words therapeutic, treatment, or cure almost synonymously, right? Some people may not like the word cure because they think that a cure is something um, really different than it is. And what a cure really is in its native definition is a solution, okay? Um, and as I mentioned, you can be cured of the common cold. Doesn't mean you won't ever get a cold again. It just simply means that you no longer have the cold at this time, right? Those symptoms have been taken care of. Now, in a situation where you're specifically asking me what is happening in the body. So I can tell you for our lead compound and our lead compound is now a different compound than when I first spoke to um, 
dawn um, here at LSU. Our lead compound at that time was ENU 200. If you recall, I did mention that we are very science-based when it comes to how we make decisions. It, it, divinely, scientifically sound decisions, right? I love that word divine. I love the word science. <laughs> um, and we found that some of our other discoveries were more consistent in the data that, and more repeatable, more consistent, and just far more remarkable um, in the data outputs. And so we made some, it, they were tough decisions at first, um, but again, when we're looking at bringing out safe and reliable science and introducing that globally, you've got to go with what is sound and safe and again, science-based. So science is what moves us as a company, right? And so our lead is now what we internally call ENU 1600. ENU is a tablet that treats, as we've seen in our early testing, COVID-19. And it treats it such that it inhibits or blocks the replication of the virus within the healthy host cells. So that is what's happening in the body. Instead of the virus being able to replicate and replicate and the infected patient um, being sick for say, I think quarantine now is still about 10 to 12 days. So instead of that person being ill for 10 to 12 days, what we anticipate, and we will not know this until we get into our clinical trials, but we anticipate that upon a diagnosis that a patient can immediately take ENU 1600. And because the replication is being inhibited, then that person would be well within just a matter of days, as opposed to that full 12 day or 10 day process. So the potential to really shorten the duration of being sick and being affected. And I could also then imagine with shortening that duration, you are obviously dependent on the person who is affected and who they've been around. It could potentially shorten or reduce how many others might be infected by someone with, say, COVID. You're exactly right. And because transmission is such a big issue, um, the shorter the duration of the virus, the that, that equates to, or can equate to, the um, shorter the opportunity for transmission. Um, one other thing that I'll mention, and I'll, 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 I'll sound a tiny bit scientific in saying this, in order for ENU 1600 to inhibit replication of the virus, it does so by inhibiting what's considered the main protease of the virus. And it is the main protease that is responsible for replication um, within the healthy host cell of the human. And so sometimes we call that MPRO for short in the industry or scientifically, um, but that's exactly what it's doing. Yeah. 
Um, and what I tell most people and what, and, and even some physicians are, are recommending that if you've contracted COVID-19 and let's say once, once ENU-1600 is on the market and can be taken, it, it may be important to go back to your doctor and see what antibodies your body has naturally built up because that is common once you have a have contracted a disease such as um, a virus like COVID-19, then your body usually naturally will have antibodies, those that natural antibody response. And so the chances of getting that disease again may be much slimmer unless we're dealing with different variants, et cetera. Um, but most patients who have been infected likely may have the right antibodies that have been built up. So they've got an immune system that's now strong against those particular or that particular strain of COVID-19. I would imagine that this has taken a while in order to determine what compounds would be sufficient. Um, and so I've got kind of two parts here for a question. We started to hear about the first reports of COVID-19 around, was it around December? 2019? December 2019, right about that time. Yeah. So we started hearing about, about this, new, this new virus. Um, at what point did your company and your scientists begin to work on a therapeutic? Um, and the second part I wanted to ask, and maybe you kind of get into this, is then at what point were you researching and considering those repurposed drugs uh, that potentially could fill, fill the need that we were seeing. Yep, and I'm glad you asked that question because our lead ENU 1600 is also a repurposed drug, right? We started in January of 2020, um, early to mid-January. So Innate has always been a company deeply rooted in infectious diseases. So we're a bunch of virologists, microbiologists, um, infectious diseases experts as scientists, right? Um, and pharmaceutical scientists, process engineers, but again, deeply rooted in infectious diseases. So it was almost a no-brainer for us to simply switch gears and start focusing on what was globally most important. And at that, and that was COVID-19. So early mid-January, I rounded our team um, of everyone scientifically and um, our scientific discoverers um, at UCAM in Spain. And those guys, I mean, they are genius. And they went to work and they made amazing discoveries many of them around repurposed drugs. Now, because again, in a situation like this, when you're developing therapeutics, you want the fastest route possible, the absolute fastest route to um, approval, okay? And a repurposed drug does offer that possibility because it's either already on the market um, either as a generic or a branded product for a different indication, or it's um, 
it, in some country, it is already, that's what makes it repurposed. Or it has been on the market for a different indication. And that's what many of our discoveries are around. Um, especially, obviously, the one we've moved, we are moving forward with ENU 1600. And I really, you know, I, I have, I've taken a pause. There's been other, uh, others I've spoken to about the idea of repurposing drugs. But then when I, obviously I was reading on your website, which we will have linked so that others can learn more about the company yes. and the individuals uh, that are part of it, um, was, you know, the, the role that repurposing drugs and what that role could be in terms of addressing other viruses like Zika and Dengue, um, which I thought was a really interesting way in which to shorten maybe the potential time it would take to provide communities with a way to fight back, um, but then also to look about how to stretch where and how we can use things that we already understand and, and have FDA approval. You're exactly right. Um, and I think you're on the right track of why companies like Innate, but even other companies, um, my counter colleagues at other companies, be it the larger pharma companies or smaller companies, but that's, that's absolutely part of the reason. I know for us, we also have repurposed drugs. Well, here's one little tidbit, um, one little statistic. Approximately 30% of all infectious diseases, um, I mean, excuse me, approximately 30% of all cancers are caused by infectious diseases. And I thought that was very interesting because before we had anything else in our pipeline, I always felt very, very, um, humbly proud that indirectly we were helping cancer too, right? Now, we don't know which cancers or somebody somewhere may know, but I don't at least, but, but that little statistic is just very interesting. Since um, inception as a company, just a couple or so years ago, we did acquire a repurposed compound that treats colorectal cancer. So we are actually now in the cancer space and ready to enter clinical trials in humans who may have colorectal cancer. And this too is a tablet and a repurposed drug. And so you're seeing a, a little bit of a theme here. We like oral dosage forms like tablets or capsules because they are the most, um, compliant, right? Patients are most compliant with tablets or capsules. Um, they're easy to distribute globally. And so that's kind of our, our, our thing, our theme, you know, is it, is it oral? Can it be orally delivered, taken by mouth? And obviously, is it repurposed? You know, let's look at what's repurposed first. Um, and we do have some non-repurposed products in our pipeline for certain um, diseases, but we're big, big, big on repurposed products that are oral. So yeah, even now in the cancer space. This is, this is really fascinating. And I, I want to particularly say that I'm excited that you're, that part of the theme is to think about the delivery of this medication, especially knowing you know, just the mention of, of a needle can shut and make people run, but something as easy as a tablet, plus the way in which it can be dispensed 
to all regions of the world or many regions, I think that is, is fantastic. Darnisha, I want to take a little bit of a turn in the minutes that we have left. Uh, I'd like to ask a couple of questions centered around you. And one of the things that I, I think is fascinating um, is really your own journey and your experience. And so I think that I'd like to hear a little bit more about what your experience has been of being a Black woman in STEM and particularly in management with starting up a company. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, it's been, I, I, I can sum it up in one word that might seem odd, but then I'll explain. It's been a lot of fun. I have had, and I am having just so much fun um, being in executive management um, within an aid. I, I can't imagine what else I would be doing if I were not doing this. So not only is it fun, but it's very, very purposeful for me, okay? Um, somewhere along the way, as I worked for other pharmaceutical companies, um, when I got out of the lab, I, I knew I loved the industry. When I was no longer a scientist in the lab, um, I started working, still focused in pharma research and development, but I started doing um, licensing and pairing companies, much like the one I've founded at Enade, pairing these companies with other companies that could help them get their drugs discovered, developed, and on the market, right? Get them commercialized. And somewhere along the way, I just absolutely loved it. But I, love, I loved what I was doing, but I also loved watching these companies, some of them small, some of them large, um, get their drugs through from discovery, the beginning, just watching that whole process all the way through commercialization. And it thrilled me to no end. And somewhere along the way, I just said, you know, I'm gonna have my own pharmaceutical company one day. And apparently all the stars were perfectly aligned, if you will. And I founded Enade Therapeutics. And I'll, I'll always remember, I had a few friends who said to me, um, and one of them, she's a dear, dear friend. She's an ophthalmologist, okay? And she said, you know, you would always say, you're going to have your own pharmaceutical company one day. And I had several friends say this to me. And she said to me, I thought you were crazy because who says that, who does, who says it and then actually does it, right? She said, you would say that for 10 or 12 years of our friendship. And I'm like, did I really say that? I never remember saying that to anybody openly. So it was almost like, true inspiration from within me saying that um, because the the other friends who have since said that they said you know we'd be like at a dinner party and you just blurt out you know I'm gonna have my own pharmaceutical company someday and I just don't remember that and they all thought I was crazy and but each of them said I'm so glad we didn't say you gotta be crazy to damper your dream because you actually are doing it and I tell you, to be able to look back on something that, you know, is unfolding so beautifully, 
um, something that's not only bigger than myself, but bigger than every individual working with us, working for us, um, and the opportunities that we have to help bring solutions to global health, it is just the best feeling in the world. And I just so happen to be Black. That's it. <laughs> That's how I look at that. I don't see it as, um, I, I don't feel like I've had um, any more hardships or less hardships than some of my other um, entrepreneur friends, right? Um, that are maybe not in exact pharma space, but still in spaces that um, may have some science base to it. I, I don't feel that way. I, I just happen to be a female and a black female and we're loving the ride. We are loving it. Um, there are some moments um, that to be honest with you, when I get so exhausted because again, you know, we've got subsidiaries in India, Australia, the UK, and then of course the USA is the parent company. And sometimes that keeps my phone and ringing and dinging um, all throughout the night sometimes. Sometimes my phone will start ringing at 2 a.m. Now, I'm not complaining, simply explaining, but it is so much fun. No day is absolutely the same. Um, and I couldn't be doing this. We couldn't be doing this without people like you, Becky, who recognize what the alum, some of the alumni of LSU are doing. Um, I couldn't be doing this without our team of attorneys, our team of accountants, um, our other collaborative partners, our scientists, um, and then those scientists who are um, quote unquote staffed with us and have been with us since the beginning. None of this could be happening without them. And I can't forget um, my executive team members, my board of directors, and my other chief um, officers, my chief operating officer, chief, chief business officer, and again, with us almost since day one. And so it's been humbling. It's very purposeful. Um, and I think it's fantastic that I happen to be a Black female doing something that is just impacting everybody. And when it comes to these diseases, there are no respecter of persons, no. And when it comes to divine guidance, we think when it comes to believing and trusting in the divine, there are no respecter of persons, just like science. Science is science, right? And we'll continue to be scientifically and divinely guided and having fun along the way. You've answered, I think, one of the other questions, the last two questions I had. And I want to say that your response for the creation of your company, the involvement and collaboration of all of the different people, you've really, you have a, an incredible support system um, that's going for global good. I also want to commend your friends because that right there, you've really manifested something into the universe. You kept putting these things out and saying, this is what I want to do. What a wonderful group of friends to not to not give you any kind of negative, but just to accept that and keep going. And then to remind you, yeah, you were saying this, we heard you. To be heard, I think is, is a pretty incredible, um, incredible gift to have, or, you know, from those that are around us. 
one of the last questions that I'm going to ask, if, if you will, is for those that are listening that are interested, what advice would you share with others who are interested in breaking into the fields of either microbiology, community health, or even specifically therapeutics? What would you suggest? Um, I would say, and this is going to really sound kind of cliche, but I'll, I'll explain it. Truly follow your heart. Go with what's within you um, and let it out. Don't be afraid to let it out. There are moments where I kind of step back and say, whoa, you know, what's happening, you know, like, because it's like, whoa, you know, maybe it's happening too fast or maybe it's, um, there are some maybe very hard decisions to make, but I tell you, I always go forward with a peacefulness, if that makes sense, from within. And I, I'm let, let me try to put that in a, a, you know, we hear people say, follow your bliss. That's what I meant by follow your heart. If it is in your heart to do it, do it. Don't concern with what anyone says. Don't even concern with the how, especially early on. Just follow your heart, which when you follow your heart, you're following your bliss. And the more fun you can have with anything, the better off you and everyone around you will be. And it can be done. Um, you know, what it, is it Walt Disney, I think, who started Disney World when he was 40 years old? You know, I was over, uh, was I 40? I was 40 when I started this company and newly widowed. And I thought I could never do this as a widow without the support of my husband. Um, but guess what? I followed my heart. I followed my heart. And even now in the moments where I may feel overwhelmed or I feel too exhausted um, or I just feel frustrated, that's when I step back. I take a step back. I take a deep breath. I may go for a run, I may hug my dog, I may go look at the sky or look out of, on my balcony at the trees and be reminded that this really isn't about me. So why am I frustrated? Let it unfold because this is really much, much, much larger than me and it is divine. And I just remind myself of that. And for those who may not talk or live in that kind of world, we all know and we can just look at how nature unfolds. Um, and much of life unfolds the very way that nature does. And I think that just, I come back to follow your bliss, follow your heart and stay brave. Be willing to take that first step starting with exactly what you have. And it will amaze you. The support you get, you'll get Sometimes you won't get support. And I never let that stop me. I just said, okay, I didn't have to convince them. I didn't have to, that's their opinion. That's their take, but that's why they're not the one. 
purposefully involved, right, in doing this and leading this. And so anyone can start and finish anything they want because the sky is not even the limit. There are none. We create our own limits. We really do. So, and I think having been an LSU um, student helped that in me. I really believe it did. Um, and so I'm, I'm just so proud. <laughs> Denisha, I wanna thank you so very much for uh, sitting down with me today, sharing your story, sharing your advice. I really like that we are wrapping up with following your heart and having fun as a, a great piece of advice. I, I agree with that completely. Um, I am really excited to see what is next in terms of breakthroughs for your company and for therapeutics. Um, and so yes, I'd like to thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It is absolutely my pleasure. And thank you, Becky, and thank you, Dawn. Are you still curious? You can find more about Darnisha Harrison and her work on a previous post on Science Next, the official blog post of LSU College of Science. Select Previous Post, and you can either search for Darnisha Harrison or the title of the post, Will It Take More Than a Vaccine to Beat the Coronavirus? This episode of LSU Experimental was recorded and produced in my home and is supported by LSU's communication across the curriculum and the College of Science. Today's episode was conducted and produced by me, Becky Carmichael. Theme music is Brambi at Full Gallop by PC3. To learn more about today's episode, ask questions, and recommend future investigators, visit cxc.lsu.edu forward slash experimental. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play.